Welcome to In Conversation With. Join me, Danny Jarvis, as I sit down with guest DJs, promoters, record labels, content makers, and anyone making moves on the underground house music scene. There's plenty of nostalgia, but there's also some key insights as to where the underground scene is today. So if you like what you hear, please hit the follow or subscribe button and leave us a review. Wherever you will listen to your podcasts, at the gym, in the car, or chilled at home. Relax and enjoy In Conversation With. Guys, welcome. Welcome to In Conversation With. Thanks for both um, giving up your time this evening to chat to me in our, in our various, wherever we are, in our rooms. Gareth, it's nice to meet you and Steve, uh, yourself. Um, just to explain to the listeners, it's going to be a bit different tonight with two of you guys. It's the first time we've done that with with three people in the chat, so um, the listeners can can enjoy probably a, a very rounded conversation here. So yeah, it's really really nice to be on, Danny, and um, happy fourth birthday as well, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Progressive uh, House UK. Yeah. That yeah. is yeah. I've been I've been busy this month, and it's one of those things, as you guys all know, when you're trying to do one set of things sometimes you you can't do them both and I've, I've held off on the birthday kind of quote-unquote celebrations because i've been organizing mixes with people i know that they're busy and doing stuff and yeah it's, it's just been a bit of mayhem but yeah it's it w- what a great way to um start the conversation because you know you guys um as we'll find out have been in the scene a long time so it's nice to have you have you on board so Gareth, we'll, we'll maybe start with you. Tell us a little bit about your history, how you got into the scene. Yeah, sure, no worries. Um, so I suppose for me, it, um, sure, before I actually got into house music and clubbing, I was originally kind of into uh, the, the, the Prodigy was my big thing as a kind of teenager. Got you know, Someone handed me a tape with music for the generation scribbled on it. I listened to that and I'd say it changed my life. So it's probably the most influential kind of piece of music or album that I've um you know that, that's affected me so I would have started kind of going to festivals and things first off um you know the likes of the Glastonbury's and the V festivals and stuff like that back in the mid 90s and then um for house music and clubbing scene I kind of I, I grew up in Southampton so Slinky's down in the Opera House was that was my mecca um on the Friday nights we would get a coach down and we'd be, we'd be there nearly every week. Um, the late 90s, kind of 98, 99 sort of time, I uh, reckon it was. Um, and it was it was a great venue as well because having the, you know, being a, an opera house um, and everything that comes with it from the, the acoustics and the space and the, the, the decor and everything. Um, but the whole setup there, you had the main house room you would have had all the big DJs playing in there. And then the second room was a drum and bass room. So you could be out dancing to Nick Warren or someone like that um, in the main room. And then had enough of the house. Let's go and watch a bit of Andy C or DJ Hype. Roll to a bit of drum and bass and then and then switch back. So it was a lovely contrast. Um, really, really liked that. And um, and I'd be like that myself as well. I would, you know, I, I do have a sort of drum and bass break side to me as well um a, a lot as much as I love progressive house and um and the like so that's where I kind of cut my teeth 
we would have gone up to Fabric um, as well a lot um, back then. Um, and then that kind of culminated in um, going off to do the Ibiza thing in 2000. Uh, we went out to do a worker season out there. Um, and yeah, that, that really took things to a, another level of being kind of in, engaged in the scene and, uh, and everything that comes with being, being in, in the Ibiza scene, particularly back then as well. Um, very fond memories of space and that space terrace and DC 10, etc. Um, so I would have come back from that summer, um, with a small bag of vinyl as well after going to the record shops and buying the the, the tunes of the summer etc um got myself a pair of new marks sort of really sort of run down direct drives <laughs> you know first decks i could get my hands on just to play the records um so I cut, that, that's when i would have really started my first kind of venturing into to djing um i ended up going back out to beta the second year then for in 2001 um for for another stint at that and by that stage i was i was hooked hooked on it i mean i was at that point nothing more than a clubber uh, and a raver to be honest but um i i just as as many of us who do do dj and you, you just find like this missing piece of a jigsaw that in your in your world that um you you know you just fall in love with um and you know i just got i'd spend hours and hours in the bedroom there just the same bag of records but every mix would be different you know because you could just find different ways of putting essentially the same records you had together and everything like that um and i did like i never saw myself as getting into djing to be honest in the first kind of initial years of clubbing but um i get like it, it sort of found me uh, i suppose in a way um I, I wasn't that technically great to begin with, but I did have a, and this this was would have come from more experienced kind of DJs who told me this, friends and that, that they they noticed that I had a way of kind of attempting mixes, like they were out of my range <laughs> at that point and uh, ability skill set, but they could see the ideas that I was trying to pin in certain transitions or putting certain styles together rather than just going straight down a certain genre and just playing that one style. So that kind of encouraged me um, to, to, to stick with it. So we did it for a few years. And then at this point now, I, I was living in Plymouth. So down in Devon, um, there wasn't a huge amount of clubs at that stage, but the space that we had, we could do outdoor parties. We, we had the hoe there as well. So we would have done boat parties as well um, from time to time um and yeah very kind of small local scale it was at that point um i went off traveling uh, in the mid noughties then um was away for a, a couple of years came back ended up having kids and kind of thought everything passed me by by that stage i thought i've had my moment in the sun um you know it's it's just 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 one of those things so you know kids and everything now and then sort of fast forwards to um God, well, a few years back now, I, I went out again. I now live in Ireland and um, I went to a, a party by Pierre, private house party. They had Danny, Danny Howells and Nick Warren over um, to do a kind of, it was like a disused mansion out in Kildare. And it was my first time going out clubbing in years and years. And I went to it by myself and I had the best night. 
and I was so engaged with the crowd, people like our own kind of age who who were also kind of getting back into the whole scene. And it made me realise that not only the scene was still there, but, but I mean, this would have been like late 2017 um, and the music was really good as well. I mean, a lot of you who've been in it the whole time would testify to that, that there was a, a, a real kind of, you know, you know the, the quality just got better people were saying and there was a lot of good music being made lots of great artists coming out so it was like history repeated itself i kind of got back into clearing out again and then i started djing at the beginning of lockdown because um i had a pair of digital decks i'd only ever used vinyl in my life so i was trying to think right how do i use this tractor controller <laughs> so i uh, got it out dusted it off uh, started DJing again, realized that, you know what, I actually love it more than I ever, ever did. And um, started doing doing some mixes, putting them out there by myself. Then um, got residency on Saturo Sounds. That kind of got me out there regularly on a monthly basis. And, um, yeah, it was um, also a sort of culmination of um, meeting a lot of people um, as well at ADE in 2019 that was kind of just what was total lift off. And it's where I met Steve as well for the first time. It's very concise that, which is quite nice. What essentially happens somewhere down the line is that first and foremost, you enjoy the music and then you want to experiment with it. And that's the change. The change is when you want to get your hands on it. Well, you either start buying records from somewhere, you're given music and you start thinking, Oh, that I, I need more of this. It's like a need. And the difference when you start to buy decks and invest not only your money and your time is that by and large you are creating you know it's it is much more difficult back in the day to create stuff when you're on vinyl because like you said you've got a sort of mixed bag of records you're trying and you're trying and you really you are practicing you don't play a set you practice and then you might want to record it then you sort of play a set but up to that point it's just experimental and everybody i think you know, would probably have a similar story to you where clubbing runs alongside your growing abilities or your growing um, passion for it. Because at the time, the explosion you were talking about there, the sort of latter 90s, everything had exploded. It was much more normal. Clubbing was very, very um, wide um, scape, but still then not everybody DJed. So, I guess with Southampton, um, my wife's from Southampton, you know, Slinky was a, no, a known place. They did seem to have good stuff down there. You, you did have a good springboard. You know, there are people in more provincial towns that really don't have a lot. They really do have to travel somewhere else. But you you, you had it pretty local. Um, I'm, I'm going to pivot to Steve now because, Steve, I detected a, a Midlands accent there. So I know your story is going to be a little bit different. Tell us a little yeah. bit about about yourself. Yeah, well, firstly, thanks, thanks uh, for having us on again, Danny. Um, Absolutely, much appreciated there. And uh, yeah, so basically, my um, my kind of little story started uh, music-wise. I was playing some guitar in a garage band in like mid, uh, just after I left school. Uh, kind of, we, we we were rubbish, so we kind of gave that up. Um, <laughs> but it was around about '99 um, uh, when electronic music. About 18, we got into electronic music listening to the essential selection on radio one 
uh, seven till nine, I think Friday nights, big tongue, you know, just really enjoying that, but didn't really know anyone. Friends, they're all like indie, indie people and everything. Um, until uh, a year or two later when uh, one of my friends actually met some friends who work who were going to Passion and things like that and God's Kitchen. Um, my actual first uh, clubbing experience, I think, was about 2000, Gate Crash at the NEC, the likes of Scott Bond and people like that and just jewels and and then I and then I went to a night of passion. I absolutely loved it with Army Van Buren. I really liked his style at the time. Not so much these days, but you know, it was it was a kind of really uh, kind of deep progressive stuff going on with um, the occasional, you know, banging trance tune. But yeah, um, really into Army Van Buren at this time. Um like, like trance, because um, it was really an era of trance, wasn't it, from late nineties onwards. And then, yeah, I mean, just after around about that, I was like 21, I think. It was borrowed a, be- a set of a belt drive decks of a friend that, that didn't really work very well. Kind of had them on the floor. I had a little tiny flat and I, I could fit them in the on the living room floor. That was it. My flat was so small at the time. I was like 19, some parties. And I was trying to do some mixing um, on these decks. And I was like, everybody was saying, you know, you know what's that? What are you doing? <laughs> but I was still trying. I was dedicated. I didn't care whether I good or bad it was and um actually the in Cannock where i live they, they used to do a competition dj competition and they had a vinyl dj comp so i went along and that was the only time i've ever played vinyl out um is when I did this competition and and it, it was confidence i didn't have a lot of confidence at the time um just wanted to get out there though and just play just you know have that experience you know in front of a yeah. small crowd and you know obviously I didn't win the competition but just having that experience just after that, I bought some CDJs then. I wanted to go a bit more, well, just step it up and get a bit more serious. You know, locking myself in the bedroom and like many people do, and just kind of just trying to work out how to mix on CDJs and, and to think, you know, there must be a formula. It's digital, so I must, must know how to do this. So, yeah, and just get, just kept buying tunes. Uh, you know, Beatport was kicking, started kicking off around then, 2004. And, yeah, just, just going clubbing at Passion. God's Kitchen. I mean, uh, yeah, back to Armin again. But he was doing his. Um, he was resident there every month. I think still then God's Kitchen was open every week. Uh, believe it or not, yeah. I mean, well, we can believe it, can't we? Because we, with that age, where you know venues were open every week, and uh, I think Gate Crusher and, and Cream and you know, God's was open every week at that time. And then in in around well, 2007, I started my production journey. Um, well, the first part of it anyway, I bought Logic 7, um, Logic Pro 7, and it was very obviously just, just got it and just wanted to, I didn't do a lot of learning, I just tried to pick it up myself. Uh, Logic is very kind of, anybody who knows Logic Pro is, 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 is a bit of a daunting when you kind of first open it up, like any door, I suppose. And uh, you're, just, you're just kind of trying to uh, speak to people, just trying to get some tips on how to, how to get started, really. And yeah, and I, I think... Uh, then I got to about 2008 and then uh, we were, uh, 28, 29 at the time. Me and my friend were hosting some nights, some, some club nights in, in, in Cannock and surrounding areas. And we were getting a bit, you know, getting a bit of experience playing out. We're, not many people were coming, um, you know, but it's, we just like organising these events, you know. And, um, he, and then my friend actually got in touch and said, do you want to uh, play down in London with Basement Jacks? I was like, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, I couldn't believe it. We've gone from playing in Canada on a Sunday night with 
six people there to get in a gig supporting Basement Jacks. It was unbelievable. And yeah, it was a Brixton Jam, uh, 2009, I think it was. Um, and uh, we played just after them. Uh, me and, well, we played an hour each. And he was absolutely, it was amazing. A DJ he was playing drum and bass. He was playing house. He was playing breakbeat. It was, it was amazing set. And then, yeah, and then uh, the venue was amazing as well. It's like a big house. If, if, if you've ever been in Brixton Jam, it's like a big house. And it, it's just very kind of really, um, yeah, it's like character to it, you know. And uh, just straight after that gig, literally, we asked by one of the guys there if we'd uh, like to play at Ministry of Sound, which obviously we said yes. We didn't really believe him. <laughs> so um, he said, yeah, you can in the loft. Uh, it was unbelievable day for us, yeah. And he says, honestly, here's my details. And you can play um, on the boat parties as well. So we uh, electronic sessions that was. Um, anybody who's played in London or you know knows the scene, uh, I think they're still going actually. Um, they had a plastic one of the nights was called plastic fondue in the loft in the, in the Ministry of Sound. And yeah, we played there and actually got invited to a couple of more gigs after that. But unfortunately, life got in the way and I had to work abroad and. Yeah, my friend managed to make the gig, but it, I still can say to this day, you know, I played at Ministry of Sound in London. Um, also had a couple of gigs on uh, the, the, the boat parties uh, for electronic sessions. Um, Dave Seaman was on there, you know, um, warmed up for Max Graham. That was probably my, my finest hour, really, of, of you know, nice. notable yeah. DJs. Yeah, um, that was that was great. Um and it's just such a that was such a good event those boat parties because you just go up and down the Thames and you just have a good drink and have a good party you know upper and lower deck and it's it's great it's great um, six hours and then they have the after party at MLS. Um, uh yeah so that was about was about thirty thirty one um, and then and yeah just after that I'd uh, got a bit more um, into a production but I, I wasn't confident on well I, I couldn't really put out I couldn't get anything to sign so I, I did some kind of collaboration and, and got a track signed um, with with somebody under my name um, on Tactile Hots Records it was which actually the guy is quite he's really talented the one who owns Tactile Hots he used to do um, write for adverts for the advert notably and things like that so that was interesting uh, experience um, but I was still I was still eager and dedicated to um, you know, to, to, to releasing on my own. I was so committed just to keep that going um, and just release an album one day on my own. You know, you know, it was nothing to do with making money. It was just to make my own kind of um, ambitions, really. Not fuss about getting anywhere. It was more of you know, just want to get better and, and enjoy. Burning question when I when I talk to guys: Were you creative? You know, either of you were you were you creative? Is this a thing that happened or? Was it the scene that so encompassed you at the right time, at the right age, that propelled you forward into kind of once you started DJing, you then look at other areas? You know, I guess I'll throw that question first to, to, to Gareth, because obviously we're having an interview here. We're going to talk about you guys having a record label. And for a lot of people, they just go clubbing, they try DJing and they sack it off. But, you, you know, you guys are clearly... Um, but taking this a stage further each time. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I was just thinking then, listening, listening to Steve talking, thinking about what was the catalyst. I mean, yeah. when it started yeah. at the very beginning, um, 
coming back with those records from Ibiza. And I, I remember, I still remember the first time I I used to have a mini disc player. Remember them, the old mini discs? Oh yeah. Yeah, they were like revolutionary, weren't they? It's like yeah. this is a CD player that doesn't skip when you're walking down the street. <laughs> but um, I remember doing, I would record onto that, and then I would go for a walk after and listen back to my mix, and you know you know half a train rack back there or something like that but then i remember hearing the first time i ever did a really solid mix like in the mix for i was scared i remember i was scared to touch it like i was scared to touch the decks for fear of ruining it you know and i still remember now it was um it was steve lawler rising and <laughs> uh, yeah. and chemical brothers it began in africa so two quite tribal tunes on top of each other and I just that moment it just that's that was the hook for me back then clicked. It that, clicked. that's when it clicked so then i was like right i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get better decks so i got techniques and started exploring much more i mean um it was progressive house was a massive uh, influence then as well but then a friend introduced me to logical progression and the good looking record side of the, the bookham mm-hmm. kind of drum and bass um stuff which i was absolutely hooked on as well so that allowed me to kind of practice start getting into different different style of mixing all together you know um so i do i do remember that being a major catalyst um was dabbling on cubase and i think it was reason 2.5 at a cracked version of so i was like oh i'm quite interested in this um not particularly good at it because I don't have any musical background or any kind of musical training or theory, but um, the, the you know, the ideas and the will and the creativity was there and it always was there. Um, but I didn't really kind of take it to, it was, I was more just dabbling at the time. But um, if I then think of where, where things are now, like, I mean, I was, I was away from completely out of the scene for well over 10 years, like just, not listening to the music, unaware of it. So when around sort of 2018, I started listening to stuff again, and then I started getting into DJing a year or so later, I had all of that music from 10 plus 12 years previous that I hadn't heard before. So I was buying all these records, you know. I mean, I remember when I just stopped kind of listening to the music and, and being active in the scene, some guy Jay was just kind of become becoming a, a known name, you know, for example. So all that time passed since. So where I where I restarted up, the enthusiasm was not just, oh, I still love DJing, but it was I all this new all that to me was new music. I was buying these tracks where people like yourself might go, Oh yeah, that was a classic from five years ago. I'd be like, Have you heard this tune? This is amazing. <laughs> but I'd also be able to mix them in with brand new stuff. So it made the sets quite dynamic in the sense of someone, you know, I had, I was playing older stuff, which was new to me, but also with, you know, the stuff that was being made right now. Um, And there was just so much good music to to go through over the last 10, 12 years, well, probably the last 15 years at this point, Mm. that um, it was just so much ammunition to stoke the fires for DJing. Um, Then I got the... I think reflecting on that, you know, you pick you picked a, one of my, I suppose one of my greatest influences in the last probably 15 years is Guy J. And I think when you've come back to the scene, you've come back to a scene where producers started DJing. The yeah. difference between people DJing 
in the 90s, grabbing other people's records and just mixing them. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, people making their own tunes, playing their own tunes, you know, appearing on somebody's label for a little while, like, you know, Guy J was very much in the bedrock stable. And then before you know it, he's kind of fully doing his own thing. You know, his sound, the way he mixed records, the, the the technical side of it, it sounded different. The production levels were higher. I think any genuine music fans that have taken it further than just DJing or collecting a bit of records yeah. could see that the scene was changing into this much more in-depth and serious side where people basically, as you said in the beginning, are playing their own music. Almost, if I'm going to DJ, I'm going to play all my own records. Or I'm going to do it in a style that you've got no idea what is my record and what is somebody else's because the music had also moved on, hadn't it? It wasn't tunes you heard all the time. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, we'll print it on a record and we'll sell 500 in that HMV and we'll put 500 there. So the whole nation's hearing these records because they've heard them on the Essential Mix or they heard them at the club and then they can find it in the record store. This was all of a sudden going back to, well, what's he playing? What's this? What version of this is is he playing? And I don't know for you guys, but that intrigue for me was like catnip. It was like, hang on, <laughs> yeah, what's he done there? That's he's playing, he's playing that bass line, and he's not, he's trailing on the the last bit of percussion. And I, what? And I was I was hooked on him from the get go. His first few tunes he released. I think I've got them somewhere. They were like totally different sounding. Um, Absolutely. It's a great point as well, Danny, as well. Um, I think there's the the adage that um, back back in the day, you used to have to kind of DJ to promote your music, whereas now you have to make music to promote your DJ and get books nearly, yeah. you know. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's very much like that, I think. Um, and the obviously the technology has come on to a way where i mean i was really enjoyed your your last um um podcast with with gav there and could relate to so much that you guys were talking about there um in that in that particular episode um but I, like the technology allows so much of that kind of stuff to be done now um it creatively you can there's no boundaries nearly i suppose um there is a lovely kind of notion and feeling of mixing on vinyl and being committed to the mix once that's in, you know? Um, but I, I mean, I think it is a kind of no brainer to like, it's all tools of the trade, you know, mm -hmm. they're all tools to be used yeah. and, and they can all be used in so, so many ways. You know, you remix a track live effectively these days, can't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was going to say, like, Steve's point, you know, he's he's getting to the stage where he's playing at Ministry of Sound and you're going on boat parties. And yet, you know, these things, when they're very much in your social circle or, you know, you've got an excellent opportunity like you had there, Steve, to sort of go, yep, I'll be down and do it. You sort of even know at the time that, that what you're doing is exciting. You're not thinking of it as some sort of career and going, right, I've made it. You literally did jump, didn't you, the opportunity sometimes. But tell me, you know, you 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 said there when you were talking earlier, you went and did all that, but then you suddenly you're going to look at how to make tunes. So what was the what was the sort of changing point for you to go, well, this DJing is happening 
But I actually want to explore making it. Just explain that a bit. I think I think um, just going back before before I actually got into electronic music, um, I was kind of I'd, I'd wrote quite a lot of songs on guitar and things like that. And that when I um, like I wrote a little album on tape and recorded it when I was about eighteen or something, seventeen, um, which not many people have heard. <laughs> um, but you know, me and I've sung as about eleven tracks that I've sung playing guitar. But the re- and I got into and then after just after that I got into electronic music and, and wow that that was like a massive wave of like you know what's all this this is amazing you know um, and I thought. Okay, it was always kind of in my head to think. Okay, I'm seeing a lot of these DJs here, and it seems like well, how I saw it, that a lot of DJs were um, were, were DJing, and then and then and then get to a stage where they'd start writing music. Um, so um, and that's what that's what kind of uh, path I kind of thought. Well, this this seems like a, a good path. I've kind of think I've, I can write write tracks, but I think I'm going to need to get into the scene a bit more and get tuned into the scene you know from like in indie days um and build build it up that way and then when i think the opportunity is right i'll you know i've stabbed it um and yeah so it kind of it kind of transpired like that really uh, of like um um yeah just just learning as much djing as possible and, and learning how, how tracks are structured and the, the vibe the you know what what the, the music gives off um and 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 then and then kind of going after I've, I've got the experience under my belt of, of listening to DJ sets and, and electronic music, um, uh, the patterns and melodies are formed and progressions. Um, and then, and then it, I think um, I was then I thought, well, yeah, I'm a fair level now to kind of go, you know, get into production. Um, so that's that's kind of how I how I looked at it. I was always thinking I'm always going to get into production um, and. Uh, you know, this, I think I've got something there what I can offer. Um, just, just what I've I've learned on 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 a on playing on a guitar, you know, and learning Oasis songs. You know, when I was fifteen, you know, that's that's how I kind of I kind of use that a bit of confidence, more confident than than kind of DJing, to be honest. Uh, DJing was uh, was was like a night out for me, you know, like in a a great great time to have a social uh, event and go to London, you know the day for the night and do all this um but i thought it's it uh more of a confidence thing as well it's like thinking well i'm not going to get you know that far into dj you know it, it, it takes up a lot of your time um you know and i had a, a, almost a, a child on the way and things like that i thought you know to be a, a dj you know where you're going to make money and stuff like that it, it, it's you kind of need to just chuck it your whole life into it so i thought well production is is something where you can just be at home and just kind of yeah. okay. really kind of you know excel at home if you like yeah. uh, rather than you know having to go all all at, trying to push yourself everywhere and to everyone you can just please yourself at home and just really kind of focus on that uh, locking yourself in yeah and, and uh, yeah so it's it's kind of it's still what I'm doing now really yeah just like still like locking myself in these days and and and, and just, and, and, and take myself, you know, on a music journey, um, whatever mood I'm in. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's how I, uh, that's how it kind of patterned out for me. Um, now well, I'm 42. Guess, 
I mean, I guess the obvious question here, you know, listening to both of your different accounts of of where you've come from, you know, 100% both music enthusiasts, slightly the same path at some point and then slightly different. Um, You know, for guys listening to this podcast who who don't know you two, you know, this really naturally leads us on to the bit where somehow in all this different stuff, living in two completely different places, you two have somehow met. Um, tell us a little bit, bit about that. I mean, it's very taken for granted these days that people can meet on social media, but actually that's not that's not how most people meet. So how did you guys actually meet? So we met um, at ADE in 2019 um, on the Modern Agenda boat party, on which they do, do on a Sunday um, as their kind of own party with ADE going on as well. And... I, I look back and laugh at this party because at the time, as I said, I, I was only I, I was blissfully unaware of so much that has happened in the last decade or so in terms of artists, producers, DJs. I mean, I there was still the the established people around I knew, but that boat was just oh, there was about fifty people on it, and I mean, the, I mean, you're talking Camilo Sacramente and Sub Andrio and Robert Babich and Nick Muir all playing, you know, and and sure the only one I knew at the time was Nick Muir, <laughs> you know, like so th- th- this is how kind of out of it I was at the time. But I met Steve there and I met lots of people, you know, I I, I met Lindsay Whitwam there. I, I mean Nadia and 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 so many so many people there. I mean you know get gavin and, and matty were there like and for the gmg and uh matter they were there and a lot of the australian crew and again i didn't know who these people were but you knew just by talking to them everyone was so sound lovely and wanting to talk about music and you just had this feeling in the back of your mind that god i really feel like i'm talking to someone quite significant in the scene here you know but they're they're so also down to earth and easy to talk to that you you, you know you wouldn't know it and uh you know, so so many people, Ian Dillon as well, like it goes on. But anyway, like we met there and um, coming back fully inspired from ADE, um, everyone stayed in touch as we do. Everyone seemed to be kind of throwing themselves into whatever music they're doing, their DJ and their production. And everyone seemed to really be growing in their own little way. And we all stayed in touch. And um, I said, Steve, that like I would have played a lot of Steve's tunes as I was putting mixes out regularly. Um, the, you know, Steve under the Land Mammal UK guys, I would always really like playing his tracks. I found them really nice to kind of mix with other records. Um, and, you know, I'd often tell him that and Steve would send me more. And we got talking more and more um, off the back of that and the initial connection. And then um, I, I said to Steve, like, you know, he, he he was at a stage where he was sitting on you were probably sitting on tracks mate weren't you like you had a, a lot of tracks made and uh I, I i sort of threw it out there i said you should you know why don't you start your own kind of label and then you can put your music out under your terms not adhere into other people's kind of styles and preferences and timelines and you can then move on to your new projects and not be weighed down by trying to you know get tracks out there that you've already made for me personally i'd only just kind of got logic at the time and i was like i i would like to try to take this a bit seriously but this will give me a motivation to stop being just a hobbyist and stuck in loop land every time i try to make a track and just have 
proper commitments that I have to meet now. So it will help me grow and it will also allow Steve to, 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 to get his music out there that he already had and more ideas that were brewing. Um, so it was something that was going to help us both grow, even though we were at different stages, um, particularly in the pr production journey. Um, it was it was beneficial to both of us. And we worked quite well together in the sense of it was very easy to it just kind of fell into place of like, you know, we we both have as every partnership does. One person has their strengths that they apply more in a certain area, you know, you know, I maybe networking and then another person is, you know, more proficient at a business side of things or marketing. And um, yeah, it was just a, an opportunity to really kind of just, just, just start getting our own music out there, but using this opportunity for me anyway, I found myself, I was like, I'm now connected with all these people that, Years ago, if you told me I could even call them acquaintances, let alone friends, I would have been so chuffed. So why not just be part of it? You know, for me, give something back to the scene that yeah. gave me so much over the years. And and it's not for want of trying to become anything or be anything. It's just it's just keep stoking that passion that's inside us. But the label does give us a very a very set what targeted way of finishing projects and growing and helping other people have uh, an opportunity to get their music out as well thing that i'm picking up here from from you boys is that not only really have you obviously got this burning passion individually there's a little bit of serendipity where you've met on this boat and you've met on this boat with all the right people i mean like you said there you've you've mentioned some names that now to us guys on the certainly on the underground scene know exactly who each of those people are i mean it would be an understatement to say i've probably got every single camilo san clemente remix and track his work rate his production level the way he thinks him and debate jmj the australian boys you know you haven't just you haven't just met on a random boat you've landed on the next gen really of the yeah. prog scene there like um steve with his kind of like look in getting a gig there is a lot of luck in this scene isn't there? there there's there's a lot of hard work there's just phenomenal amounts of hard work but without those bits of luck or the serendipity of meeting in the right place and speaking to the right person you could you could and millions could end up a fantasist in your own bedroom creating nonsense you know <laughs> there has to be an element where it becomes real either you are really speaking to people you are really producing something or you are djing out or promoting um so uh, we've we've sort of jumped forward and and sort of for i guess narrative ease you both decided right, we're going to put a record label together. Predominantly, you say, to put your own stuff out, which makes total sense, you know, after speaking to Gavin last week uh, uh, on the on the other podcast about releasing things through different people, the complexities of that, producing stuff, the complexities of remixing, doing work. There's not a lot of money in it. You can spend a lot of time. Just so the listeners are aware, you guys both have jobs as well, right? Normal jobs. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just we, we're yeah, we're, but I think we're both extremely busy, busy as well at the moment. We're not just 
got nine to fives. I think there's a, a um, Gareth's doing a lot of uh, his, his, um, college work, which is you know, and he's um, which is spending many nights. And I've I've got a pretty busy uh, job, but yeah, it's uh, in, in, um, and it's, it's taking up a lot of my um, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes, you know, from from seven till seven or something like that, whether I'm working at home or the office. So yeah. It, it, I think the weekends are absolutely precious for me. Like a Saturday morning is when I'm firing on all cylinders and I can get kind of things caught up to date, you know, and get things, uh, yeah, try uh, get things going and, and get back to people even sometimes. Sometimes in the week it's just like, you know, it seems too much. Um, yeah, it, it, it's that it's that passion though, isn't it? Still, you know, it's, it's there, that determination because we're the, you know, we've got aims, we've got we've got visions, you know, where we want to take the label. Um, we need, we think it's it's totally surmountable, you know. Um, we, you know, it, it'll just keep building. Um, but yeah, we've got, um, we've got full time jobs, and it, it it's it, it can be difficult, but uh, but say so the weekends are very precious indeed, the Saturdays and Sundays. So how do you how do you guys sort of I mean uh, you mentioned earlier you know you dip into each other's sort of skill sets you know Giddy you mentioned kind of like one of you might decide that you're going to take on kind of one sort of side of it maybe the marketing or kind of the strategy side so how with balancing everything that you've got going on what kind of I don't mean targets like necessarily financial, but what sort of strategy targets do you, do you have little meetings where you think, right, we're going to produce X amount of tunes this year, or we're going to get the label to release this, or we're going to look at these artists, or we're going to try and get new people on. What What's kind of your strategy balanced on top of time issues, things that are pressing? Well, I think we're quite lucky in the sense that we're like, we, we, we have, regular catch-ups um and we have i think there's a lot of trust there because one of us says oh i'm going to do this you, you just kind of know that they're going to do it and get it done and we don't kind of put pressure on each other to you know for, for deadlines or have you done that yet or sending a you know sending a message and expecting an instant reply because you just have to appreciate what's people have got stuff going on in their lives you know i mean we do this i mean they do the dj and like i mean i do a I do part-time college as well. I've got two young kids. So, you know, it's all a balancing act, you know, we end up, end up having way too many late nights fitting it all in. <laughs> but um, we tend to reach out to people separately that we perhaps want to work with, that we might have an existing relationship um, with or, or trying to build that. Even the sense of listening to tracks that come in to consider, like we were talking about this the other day, how if one of us says, yeah, it's kind of all right if you want to listen, then I'm kind of not really interested that much already because if you're not excited about it, then it's going to be quite likely that I'm not going to be that excited about it as well. Whereas if someone said you need to listen to this track now, then it's like stop the press and let's have a listen to this. Um, but we, 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 we kind of take on, I mean, we never really sat there and sort of designated certain roles. I think we just kind of gravitated towards where our natural selves and our natural skill sets as we, as we do. Um, I mean, it's it's just kind of about like a, a great thing about doing this as well is it really gives you a reason to properly engage with the people that we know um, other than just the general social side of it. You know, it's um it's fantastic to actually be able to really talk shop, for example, with either 
someone who's very established in the scene, you know, people we know, or people that are like, you know, trying to get their music out there. Um, but they, they're, they're at the point of nearly giving up. And then through a conversation, you can go, you know what, send it to us. Let's have a look. Let's let's get let's bring that track to life. Let's get it out there. And one of the the visions we have for the label is, I mean, it's great to have established kind of named artists on there, um, which everyone strives for. But there's so much more of um, a sense of satisfaction, and if you if you get someone unknown or someone who just hasn't had their break out there, that's where we'd really like to kind of focus a, a good bit of effort in is discovering new talent you know because it's a saturated market there's lots of established labels and there's a lots of people who kind of work in certain niches and and, and circles um so yeah I, I i guess it's kind of it's, it's kind of grown very organically over between us yeah th- i think one of the things that i quite liked that you said is is something that i'm finding working with with richard um richard trout who you know, not only um, a similar sort of background to Steve, actually, when, when we did his um, podcast together, I've known Richard a few years now, but didn't know really the full extent of his story. And he'd been in a band for like 20 years, you know, and, and there's different sides of a per- person's personality that can handle different things at a different time and got a different take on it, even though that what you're doing is a joint project you you're right your skills and strengths kind of work together one of the things that you said that I liked was how easy you found it to work together because for me with Richard that's pretty much one of the things is we can say what we need to say to each other we don't need to sugarcoat it we can say how it is we can be quite objective you know we 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 rarely disagree about things but we take on board each other's point um, there's a calmness as well to him. I, I've I've got quite a lot of more ner- nervous kind of energy in doing things, but what I found certainly in the last six months, we're doing this project together called Early Doors Club, but we also do the Progressive House thing a little bit more together, and he's got separate projects. Is that yeah? When we say we're going to do something, we do do it. So why i'm saying this is what i find is when the two of you can really budge things forward because if you are working independently but then together what you find is you're galloping ground quicker and you also get to share your problems together right it's not all doom and gloom you have a bit of crack you have a bit of a laugh and you know you go away you have your separate lives and it is like an it's an odd sort of marriage really of two people because you're dedicating time to each other you know it's like i've got to go and have this call and you go upstairs to your room and you're like you talk about things to each other so it's really nice to hit to hear this because you know conversely for gav a lot of stuff that he's dealing with um is in his own head you know he's 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 moving pieces he too's got a partner i think it's andy andy waldron in yet albeit in another country and and it what i'm finding is that when there's two of you it's a better space for your mental health for for being realistic perhaps financially as well because you know there's not as much burden to try and make everything happen um one of you might be struggling with certain things the other one can take it on um, so it's it's no surprise and it's nice to hear you both working in this way and, and how naturally it came about. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, you've you've mentioned a few things there that I'll pick up on. Things like trying to get people to the next stage, perhaps in their careers. Um, 
or maybe getting things that you think is right for the label sound. Um, talk to me a little bit about kind of where you see your sound, because you've both mentioned quite a few different um, influences there. Be it drum and, I mean, I was a massive Buckham fan, massive LTJ Buckham fan, still am. You know, there's a lot of elements of drum and bass or that type that I hear pieces of in my progressive styles. You know, I, I borrow and beg and mix different sounds together. When you own a label, how do you try and keep it fresh, keep the sound moving forward, quote unquote, like bedrock has a sound, lost and found has a sound, all day I dream. How do you guys work on saying, right, this is us, but we do still want to borrow from different aspects, I guess. I think um, it's uh, you, you can hear a track and you can instantly, uh, you know, make a decision on whether you like it or not. And it, it, it there isn't really any preconceived ideas really on on music. Is there's uh, our kind of uh, strategy for like towards music? It is just it is, is a kind of a wide spectrum uh, really. We've got like this. I talk about like this eighty percent threshold where. You know, is it kind of their product production-wise? Is it got the artist? You know, like has it got the criteria, artist like, a, like like a criteria, if you like, that you that you sort of yeah. judge it against. Yeah, but it's it, it, again, it comes to like, do, do you instantly like it? You know, um, do you have to keep listening to all the things that you know? Um, and I don't like really going back to an artist and saying, can you change this or change that? I only think I've done it once, and it it, it, was, it was something that was very obvious to me and Giddy, to be honest, and. And because we, we don't, the artists have put a lot of hours, you know, into, into creating their own music. And, you know, if they, if they could just say, well, if, if I don't like it, if we don't like it, um, then he can, he can take, take his music, you know, to, to somewhere where, you know, that, that they will appreciate it for him. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to ask an artist to, to, to change, the, you know, change their track too much or anything like that. It, it, you know, we try and uh, work with them. Um and and yeah, it, it, I mean, releases wise, we we, we mainly we mainly um, well, there's progressive house of that sound, um, house progressive house, um, and 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 the and and more of an ambient style where we we um, and and breaks kind of uh, sounds. Well, we, we release on a on an album, um, and we release uh, a compilation album with with Prog House as well. Uh, once a year, which we may get to later on. Um, but yeah, the, we're not really sticking to any genres. I mean, it, it's you look you look at large labels these days, perhaps Andrew the Deep or something like that. They've really expanded um, from from a, from a progressive house um, uh, label in the late noughties. Uh, they were very progressive house based, and then they kind of evolved into what they are now. You know, with a lot of electronica going on, and we kind of um, we, we we looked at that model a little bit and thought, well, yeah, um, that that's just the way our minds go as well, you know, without any pre- preconceived ideas. Can I can I ask a question about that? This may be just like industry sort of grapevine or whatever, but I remember when I was talking to somebody a while ago about Anjuna Deep, they told me that the reason that the records sound so similar is. They almost have an engineer house. So you produce a track and I would send it in. They would they would polish it off. Is that correct? Yes, I know that um, they used to, 
well, another use, I was told about three or four years ago that you'd send a tractor on June if they, if they like it, then they would ask not just to master it, but they would they would mix they would mix it down as well, um, and then they'd master it, so they'd have a, a, a some their own um, studio with one or two people who'd be doing this, so so it's consistent. Um, I know, I know a, an artist who I used to get along with. I don't see him much these days, and, that, and he was telling me that that's what they they said. We need to, we need all of your stems because we we basically master master all the all the tracks together, um, it, you know, rather than just one track. Um, I, um, yeah, so that it, 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 but I spoke to Marsh and he, he actually did his own mastering. So I think there's a bit of uh, confliction in what, of what, what's happening these days, but I know it did used to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I think, I think when the, when the labels, when the label started, I would argue because I, I sort I do remember it, it sort of becoming more of a a force in in the kind of sound. Certainly, they were one of the first to kind of really catch on to putting stuff onto YouTube, and I think that's how I majorly discovered a lot of their music is because they were putting a lot of stuff on YouTube. And um, you know, my my ears have always obviously been pricked up to sound. I'm similar to you guys, and we've talked about this with other DJs where. You you give me like literally a couple of seconds of a track and I can just say no, yeah no yeah no. It's very it's very rare that I would hear something and then m- my brain would say just just go back to that and listen to that again. It's almost like you say there's there's a, there's a there's a criteria in my head in my ears that can hear what I want to hear. And sometimes that's maybe brought on by I'm thinking of a sound if I'm going to create a mix or I'm going to play somewhere I'm thinking of a sound that I want to design for that venue or that listener. And that might probably sway what I'm looking for. But when things like Injuna Deep came and I was just switched on straight away to going, all sounds the same. And I guess with record labels, when you think of record labels, you, you know, traditionally a record label would be something you'd think more about like pop or rock music. And they would get these very different bands and the bands would sound completely different. When you think of right record labels, Stock, Wait, Stock, Aiken and Waterman, all their music sounded the same. The artist was different because all the music was being produced by them. And there's this like little tiny gap, isn't there, where clearly the brand, what somebody wants from their label slash business it's very much about a formula. We need a formula. Big businesses use formulas to get things perfect in a box. You need a formula. You know, I've worked for massive brands and it's all about that brand, brand, brand. Does this person, does this sound represent our brand? So I guess for you, I mean, the question is is obvious. As an independent record label, how important you've mentioned it a little bit there. How important is it to you that when an artist comes on board, they have control over what they've produced? You know, do you just give them advice or or would you say, look, let's work together on this to make this the best track we can and make it sound the best it can? Yeah, um hundred percent. Um it's it it's very important to us to engage fully with the artist and um like it's their art they're putting forwards it's their creation it's their art and like 
I know from talking to various people who've had lots of releases on lots of labels and it's surprising to hear about the amount of hoops that they've asked to dry, jump through to get their work out in fact effectively sounding like they're actually asking the artist to do all the work you don't really expect the label to be doing if not hugely assisting with um to the point where you know we have to i would have these conversations and the other person involved would be like my god why am i doing this you know why am i bending over backwards doing this changing that saying that like it's it, it it's sad to see because you know I suppose it's more, it's the nature of the beast, you know, if big established labels, they can, they can play to their own tune to some extent, um, quite a big extent probably. For us though, it's about engaging the artist, nurturing their work, making sure that they're happy with the way that we're going to put it out. Um, and like, it was like, even, even had it said to me that someone was surprised that I was even discussing with them about putting their track on a different release to the one we'd initially planned on putting it on because we felt it would work much better on this other release as did they when we discussed it with them and they were like it's quite refreshing to speak to someone who's really involving me in this decision making process um and that just to me anyway sh shows that there's a lot of um you know, there's there's a lot of cutting the artist out of the the, the the process of their own material in terms of how it is going to end up sounding or how it's going to be released or or just being told to sit sit on it for months and months on end. And then when they get around to releasing it, I know for a fact that art, a lot of artists, they don't even want that to be put out anymore because they've progressed. Yeah, yeah they, they, they've got better. And they don't want to hear yeah. that track going out now because they're at a better stage or maybe they've gone down, you know, their taste has swung in a different direction or something like that, you know. So it's really, for us, really hugely important to to fully engage with with, with the artists that are going to release on the label. Um, and that's that's just, 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 just seems natural to us, to be honest. So do do you um do you guys tend to have like a a steady stream of of what I what in marketing I would call sort of leads where people are contacting you, sending you stuff. You're also sort of going out and and working with other people that perhaps you've heard stuff and think yeah we, we want we want them. How how I guess what I'm trying to ask or, or trying to work out is the scope of how much stuff you're dealing with. You know would you be spending a certain amount of time looking for new artists or would you just like close the door and go right we, we've got 10 people working with it we need to we need to we need to work out where we're getting each of these people first i work for an entertainment agency now we've got 75 different individuals and you know you've got to manage them all and their workflow and promos for photographs and video shoots and some of them are super busy some of them aren't as busy as they want to be and within that they might be coming up to a point where they want to change their act a little bit so they they start to say oh, what else could i do and then you find you're consulting with them you know so when you've got this stable of artists how do you manage them against maybe your better judgment of saying if we don't keep our eye on the future and more people coming in we could miss people i guess that's the point when do you say right 
were full. Well, I mean, let me go back to the start, really. I mean, the label uh, was born in, uh, when, when was it? June last year. So yeah. you think um, from June last year until, well, end of March this uh, 2023, um, we've had quite a spike in, in, in how artists have contacted us um, and also being able to being able to pull in um, artists as well. I mean, when we first started the label, we, we reached out to all of our artists, um, you know, because that's um, and just people close to us, uh, uh, you know, friends uh, released and, and um, things like that. So, and that, that's one of our visions as well, you know, keeping keeping it quite close and, and uh, keep, um, you know, um, so, so you, can't, you can build with, with these artists around you, you've got familiarity with. Um, so yeah, it, it, it evolved from, um, from from reaching out to then um, literally, I don't know, three or four months ago, um, we, um, I, I actually spoke to a few other labels similar and I kind of have set up an, a, an alliance with, with them uh, to kind of, um, if, if some tracks don't fit their philosophy, then they or style, whatever you want to call it, then they could send them on to us, um, and then vice versa. So we get a bit of a deal going. We've got that with the, uh, two or three labels at the moment. Uh, one quite, one quite big label. They have quite a lot of um, tracks coming in. Um, but uh, but yeah, we you know we have, and then we sent out a video of, of just reaching out on social media um, where we. We want to give the opportunity, you know, singers and, and anybody in the industry really want to, who'd like to work with us because, you know, if a singer gets in touch, who's got some, um, you know, um, some, some vocal lyrics she wants to put on a song, then, you know, we're more than welcome to allocate and write, write a song with her. And uh, so it's, it's not just, you know, we don't just want it to be kind of a machine. We want it to be kind of a, a human, uh, thing like it where we're actually got a good relationship with these people and uh, building good business relationships um and yes we, we we're now getting um what is it what is it gareth i mean a couple of one or two tracks um in every couple of weeks or something like that we're getting which is quite good now and that's a natural that's an organic natural progression since we started last june um you know it, it's, it's good to be yeah. thought of you know yeah. Absolutely, and it's because I, I think the one of the early strategies we we kind of put in place um, for for the label is we wanted to keep keep it diverse. We didn't want to just be a prog label, for example. Like we 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 sort of set about three kind of branches of having having the EP releases, very DJ orientated EP releases, two three track EPs, remixes on it, etc. Then we wanted to do a VA sampler. Which we this is where we kind of utilised our our friends and connections that we have to get people that we all know in the underground scene to and I was so chuffed that they you know they all sort of said yes that everyone we asked you know from you know I mean Sean McClellan and Ian Dillon and and Range and um, Daryl Craig Palin like lots of people that um, we were really really delighted to have on and we felt that would give us um, some credibility essentially is an emerging like oh who are these two lads bring starting a label you know um but at the same time 
we didn't want to rest on the laurels of just being like, oh, because we now know producers, we can just get them to make tracks and release them. It's a great springboard, but we want to, we also wanted to look different regions around the world we didn't just want uk producers we you know we wanted to look at the states you know south america um to to get different styles uh, of music on there and also you know it's a wider reach there's different you know it's the markets are very different between you know the uk is not what it was for for this scene but as we all know but um you know it was it was very much kind of not just relying on the people that we know, which is fantastic and we love them to pieces and we'll always want to work with them. But we also really want to take it upon ourselves to go out there and, uh, and, and you know, f- find people that maybe people haven't really heard of before, you know, and get, get their music out there, whether it's a new style or whatever. One of the other avenues we had is a, apart from the VA sampler, which was more house and prog orientated. We wanted to have, another direction which we're doing through a, a series we call habitual which is essentially just not four four it's ambient electronica breaks drum and bass just a, a real blank canvas type thing that for that is partly for us because we're both into that ourselves but also to to uh, give that platform to people who might be known for making house and prog but they're actually maybe experimenting with ambient and they just don't really have an avenue to put that stuff out there. So those initial kind of branches that we put in place, that's how we hope the label to kind of grow in those different directions. I guess for you guys, the vision you've got at the moment, you've been going what about, like, did you say last year you started? What is the end goal? Because this is something I struggle with all the time. But what are your metrics to success? I'm going to let Steve answer this one properly because I'm just going to start by saying I'm very much a kind of a journey and not the destination kind of guy, you know. Um, So, again, it's probably another reason why we work well, um, because otherwise I would just be kind of happily going around in a, lovely creative circle with no real kind of end game in plan, just kind of enjoying mm. the, the, the whole journey and uh, experience as it goes. But perhaps Steve has a, 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 an end game in, in, in sight. I think I was right there about, about music being um, a journey. And if you ever feel like, you know, you're not in the moment with something um, or you're feeling a little bit down, it's good to listen to the music anyway, because, you know, you listen to that journey and you can only listen to what is going on right at that time. You're not listening to the end of the track. Um, so just on, on that, um, the, uh, I think an aim, really, if, if you call it an aim, um, it, it's, it's, it's to, to put out, keep regular um, releases at a consistent rate, um, you know, um, just just keep building, just keep building on. And I mean, I do the artwork and just want to keep getting better at the, the artwork and the different ideas and make it as interesting as possible. Um, and with with the actual branding as well, uh, that was that was one of the things the label when I started the label it, with with Gareth. You know, it, it was important to to build get, get the branding going. So it, the branding will evolve with the artwork. Um, it's just it's just. A, 
Yeah, just evolving at a steady rate, uh, just picking um, experience up and and, um, and 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 advice, you know, things like that um, along the journey. Um, I think um, in terms of in terms of actually um, um, promoting the label further, I think you know we, we, we've we've got an event next month, um, so it, it's kind of looking at. Um, things like that um it's you know we're a we're a brand that requires marketing so you know what's what's our what's you know how, how do we make the brand more aware you know and, and find those different avenues um i um this this podcast you know is one of these avenues which has yeah, been absolutely a real real good opportunity for us to, to just talk about things right now and um with someone like yourself um so that that's one of uh, he kind of a he ticked that off you know kind of thing and um, it's to say that that we you know so yeah it's it, it's it's just going along at a steady rate um, long as me and Gareth are happy with things you know then then you know we will I'm sure we'll um, attract um, you know attract the things um, and, and they'll come naturally uh, don't force things you know don't don't try and i mean things like you know you know you could have we could have a, a, a relatively large and large artist you know um well, popular artist sorry but uh, maybe having to pay him for a, a couple of tracks to release that's something we just don't, would not want to do uh we, we don't want to get too big like that and sell out and then what do you do after that you know um yeah. you know it's, you know if we had a, a, a fairly well-known artist and then somebody like myself releases it you know after the, you know you just we don't want to give off the the wrong message if you like we want to we want it just to be an organic journey um and then there's the scope the scope uh, to do that and then you know just just keep building slowly i think like for us it's really about like we're not we never went into this to be competitive it's never a word that entered our minds like competing with people like collaborating and contributing they're the words that come to my mind when i think about this whole project it's about an opportunity to collaborate with you know kindred spirits other people who are passionate um learning from them and it's not just learning technically it's you know you want to work with good people as well you know and 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 that will just many things are born out of that um the collaboration and and again it comes back to contributing like for me it's always about like you when you when you're an artistic person whether you you're a dj or you're you you're an artist painting pictures or or whatever you're you're giving a piece of yourself to the world and you're you're fundamentally doing it for yourself to begin with because Mm -hmm. you need to let that out and if other people like it fabulous if they don't really doesn't matter still going to do it anyway like we're talking about djing i would still do it with the same vigor and passion if i had one listen a month and that's it <laughs> you know and no one even knew i dj'd i would still do it as opposed to having hundreds and hundreds of you know of listens all the time and getting gigs left right and center it's we do it because we want it we don't want to be seen to be doing it it's we just do it it's just for me personally i can't escape it i as i said earlier in the chat i i thought it all passed me by and it the universe keeps kind of throwing me back towards it one way or another um just to play my little role in it 
you know i mean i'm, yeah. I'm not going to set the world alight with a, a a hit hit track that every dj around the world's playing or uh, you know i'm not going to be headlining uh, you know uh, at the biggest clubs in the world but i like the fact that when i meet people they like meeting me and i like meeting them and we find we bring the best out in each other and the more we all do that then happy days you know yeah i think i think we've discussed this um with a couple of different people is that the real spirit of this and just to sort of try and explain some of the words we use when i describe this as underground i guess i don't overtly mean it's not professional or famous you know commercial is commercial you you can be underground and commercial that's not what i'm trying to say but the spirit the sort of ethos of the underground is exactly what you've just said there's something within you that that wants to make create share and enjoy with other people what you do and you know the very the very reason we're talking is because it just so happens that our scene is the same scene albeit different sides of the coin today i was coming home from work thinking about this chat thinking about a million things on the way home we've got an event coming up in may so I always talk to I always talk to Richard before work or after work. We also talk about what mixes he's doing, where's his show at, how's his ticket sales going for his gig. You know, very quick, like we'll just move from topic to topic to topic. And there's a lot of mind fuzz there. You know, you get out the car and I'm like, right, get home, gonna cook the tea for Emma because Emma's working late and then I'm doing that. And sometimes it can all just feel like I'm on a hamster wheel. But then yeah, then I have this chat with you guys. And it reminds me, this is why I love doing this, because this is talking to you guys about something that the listener probably has no idea about how much stuff goes on. Or these bits of insight don't alienate the listener. And that's that's something that I thought was important in these chats, is that you've got a set of skills and you're deploying them on what you're doing. But the ethos of the underground is that everybody can understand that this comes from a place of goodness it comes from a place of passion first and foremost passion we wouldn't do this if we didn't want to do it and somehow catapult ourselves into doing these things it's certainly not a financial thing none of us are millionaires doing this it's just it doesn't happen like that so it's it's really refreshing to talk to you both about what you're doing and 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 have this passion it's like you say if this is even a tiny little platform for you guys to reach you know four or five hundred people just by doing this fantastic for me it's creating content which is something that's dear to me that's what is why i started progressive house uk it wasn't to elevate me into djing because i could have just dj'd you know there's there's something in me wants to create all this different stuff and, and similarly to you guys, we're talking about it here as if it's all easy. You've got to get your head around software. You've got to get your head around technology, which is constantly changing. You've, whether you like it or not, you've got to do some, some sort of social media, which again has massive complexities. Um, yeah, and it's just nice to, 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 share, these, to share these stories. Um, I guess the, the, the gleaming question, and I've kind of alluded to, to it there a little bit, is how do you guys protect your mental health because i'm not just saying that because this is a buzz topic 
it's very real. Mental fitness is not something you can mess about with. You can't just drive yourself into a, a hole. I, I've pretty much decided on the way home tonight that what I need to do is put my Wednesday nights aside for all the things I do instead of doing a bit on a Tuesday, loads on a Monday, some on a Wednesday, this on a Thursday. I just, my head's going to blow up. So how do you guys go right? There's the goal. There's being normal. There's cooking the tea for my wife or kids or partner. How do you guys go right? This is where it needs to be. For me personally, um, like I, li- I live in quite a rural part of Ireland. Um, as listeners probably guessed, I'm, I'm not from, <laughs> from Ireland. But um, I, I like when I have have, have my kids uh, with me, um, then that's half the time. And when they're here, the computer doesn't even go on. Like it's just they have my attention. Like I'm not on the phone hardly. I'm I'm not no music, no none of it. Once they're gone, because I don't really have any really you know much of a social life or kind of social distractions going on around me in my locality. I can immerse myself in everything again and come back fresh to it because I might have had a couple of days off or whatever because I, my focus has been on the family rather than on any music or social stuff. If I find myself perhaps I've been on logic ages and like trying to get a track finished or, or you know, just, just find myself getting to a, a point where I need to take a break from that, I'll realise that I haven't been on the decks for a, a week or two. So I'll go on them and I'm like, oh, I'm more enthusiastic about having a mix again instead of being like locked into a door for hours on end. You know, Um, I think just moving from one thing to another, switching off from social media when you need to is a a must. I mean, it's a it's a necessary evil. But um, uh, and there's I I can't knock it because um, without it, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's been. It's, it's been hugely important for my mental health, particularly through lockdown, because uh, uh, being located where I am and not having many people around me, like my second family has been the music family online. I would have been lost without it, you know. Um, and, it, you know, it's when you don't see people regularly, there's lots of people in lots of situations and we'll all find ourselves in periods of time where we don't see much of other people. It's nice to remind yourself that out there you have all these amazing friends that, you know, they're out there. And next time you see them and you're in their company, it will be like you saw them yesterday. And they're, you know, they're parked and they're waiting there for you. And it's important to remember they're still there if you have any, when you have the low moments where you do feel alone and, and everything like that, uh, you know, you know, people are out there. But um, it is a, it is a balance. And if you're not careful, you, you, you can burn out um completely um so yeah i think for me it's very easy to kind of when i have my kids staying with me that's it i can switch off from everything so it's it's kind of easy on that aspect i suppose to have a a yin and a yang lifestyle Mm. what about yourself steve um well yeah i gareth sounds like he can really manage that but um manage it well but I mean, I, I find it difficult to switch off um, probably every day, uh, to be honest. Um, I don't really, I, uh, yeah, I try and, if it gets too much, then I might switch off for a day, you know, from social media or anything. Um, but it's all about balance, isn't it? Um, I, 
I think I'm because um, I'm just so eager to um, just just to keep the label going. Um, I like to check you know messages and Facebook probably every day and keep in touch with people because we've got quite a lot going on at the moment anyway with with building up uh, for a couple of big releases. So I'm just kind of um, um, in conversation every day at the moment. Um, probably, uh, I'd say, a Saturday is, is a good day where you have a bit of rest and, you know, you, you haven't just been to work and you, you, you then you've got to start, you know, um, thinking about what, what you're doing music-wise, um, label-wise and everything. Uh, so Saturday's a good just to... Uh, can have a good night's sleep on a Friday and a lie-in and things like that, just simple things. Um, but I also, you know, I try to keep myself quite fit and healthy and, um, you know, eating and, and, and exercising and, and is really important, very simple, but it's, it's very important, um, which I try and cram in. Um, so we get my balance that way, I think. Um, yeah, and it can be a bit of a drain for every, anybody in social media. So I do, I do try and switch off, um, um, a large part of the day, but um, yeah, I find it difficult to switch off um, because I just like to be involved so much, you know, um, checking my emails and, and things like that. Um, I've been doing a few remixes as well of late for all the labels. So it, it's, it, you know, I just, yeah. Um, it's you, just you can awareness, isn't it? It's yeah, it's just being aware, I guess. You know, you both, you both obviously, maybe Gareth some greater extent, but is you you both got an awareness, and I think that's what probably four or five years ago, until this became a more prevalent discussion, people weren't actually aware of what was going on, and then would would hit a wall. Um, so certainly for me, I've done a, I've done a lot of work in the past and in, in this area of very much. The industry I've been in, the different jobs I've had have been quite full on, worked work for quite a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, independent business owners. I've never been the big corporate guy, so I've worked for people who've demanded a lot. And also my own personality and drive is kind of like do it till I nearly die. My wife's a bit similar. She can literally run and run and run till she falls asleep and she's like a machine is kind of dangerous when we're both like that because we don't we don't have kids which is a, a huge game changer but it can mean that you work more it can mean that you discuss work more it means that you you do all this stuff and certainly all these extracurricular things i don't think i would have done so many things had she not had the understanding of maybe what what drives me to do this and i think that was part of that discussion in my head today was you know getting time back with her is is probably about me doing what you said um giddy about putting it into a bit more of a box and actually wednesday night could could be better utilized if i actually was more focused on it and certainly this chat obviously goes out on progressive house uk which helps that i'm not as needy for putting out my own mixes as i was did having a having a club night and promoting that is it's, I wouldn't say it's challenging. Richard and I are finding our way with it. We'll come to our second event. It, it's also a different slight style of music that I play. So it actually is quite interesting to 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 find different music and play different music that's a little bit different than perhaps what I played in the past or played when I was just doing live streams or guest mixes. So I guess it's a mixture of being aware of time, keeping yourself interested, 
um, but not letting it consume you because I'm certainly doing more now than I've done in a long time. But the early doors club, the feeling I got in the DJ booth with Richard when he was playing and I was sort of doing the lights was joy, like real joy. And I haven't had that in a while where I've been bounce. I was bouncing next to him, jumping up and down. He was playing a Christoph tune, the, the music. And that tune in a club is just, it, it's everything. And, and at that moment, I was like, this is exactly the combination of all the things I do. Coming to fruition, you know, a bit, a bit of a buzz. Um, so, guys, you mentioned that you've got this event coming up. Tell us a little bit about that before we before we close, because that sounds like something you want to tell people about. Yeah. Um, so we are doing our first um, label event in uh, Manchester at the Zombie Shack. Um, so myself, um, Steve um, and Dave Nico will be playing there. And we've got Nadia to, to come up from from London to, to, to sort of headline the gig for us, our, our good and great friend, Nadia. Big shout out to you there, Nadia, if you're listening. Um, she's she's a superb DJ. Um, I met her on the ADE boat as well, and I um, I didn't even know she was a DJ <laughs> until I got back. And then I was like, I listened to her mixes, and I was like, she was actually a big inspiration into me dusting off those decks and getting them back out because I was like, oh, my God, that's that's – that's not only my kind of tune selections, but the way she's putting them together, like, yeah. So when you hear friends doing that, like, it really inspires you. So it was really chuffed that, uh, to, to get her to come up and uh, and uh, play at the event with us. Um, and, um, yeah, so we'll be doing this Saturday night. Um, it's a, we, we, We're doing it as a label showcase. And what we kind of intend to do is do them semi-frequently it's not something we're looking to massively get into as a regular knock churning out events you know a couple a year maybe two or three tops a year i'd imagine but take it to a different location each time because one of the things that we were thinking with the label it's nice to have if you're going to have an artist signed to you it's nice to be able to offer them some other alternative opportunities like hey would you want to play at our event? Because we're going to be near you next time we do one. Um, yeah, same like the, yeah. So same as the radio show that we've just started up on Subcode um, last month um, on Subcode Radio. Um, we're doing our second shows this Sunday there. And we're using that as a um, Steve and Dave played last month. Me and Nadia are going to play on it this Sunday. It's kind of just like a Manchester warm up, just to give a bit of exposure to people yep. who might not be aware of us. Um, it's obviously, you know, yourself going into it. It's it's not easy to attract people out to come to these things, um, especially when we found out Nick Warren's going to play Joshua Brooks on the same night as us <laughs> as well in Manchester. Um, mm. But um, um, I'll be going up to see him actually in the uh, skyline the next day at the Soundgarden in Glasgow. So oh, is, is, is that's the event in a few weeks? Yeah. Yeah. So he's 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 doing Joshua Brooks on Saturday the same night as us in Manchester, and then Sunday is the Soundgarden event, which are always beautiful events to be at. So so yeah. good. But I'll be having words with Mr. Warren there about <laughs> stealing our thunder in Manchester on Saturday night. Um, but no, you never know, might like, not. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. in seriousness though like our aim for it is an intimate gathering of of people you know people who like the music they're into the scene you know friends friends of friends 
um and getting them to meet each other there as well you know this big big web of friendships and connections we have but hardly any of us have met or properly so it's an opportunity for people to meet there um like we will be showcasing some of the tracks we've cut we've got we're going to be releasing um very soon um some of the artists there will be coming along so it's a great way of saying hey we're going to be playing your new track come along you know yeah. bring the girlfriend and a mate you'll you, you'll get to meet the other people that are on you know on the on the release as well and there's gonna you know every everyone else who's going to be the, there um, what's the date gareth it's so it's the tw- it's uh the t- saturday the 22nd of april um it's 10 till 4 um in right it's five minutes from piccadilly station in manchester five minute walk away um so even if um people don't want to do like an overnighter or or fork out for a hotel sure i mean the the trains start up at five five in the morning so you you get the train back to wherever um like it's going to be really really nice music it's a small intimate venue very kind of you know funky out there graffiti style decor everywhere uh, really nice owners as well like we went to we went over there last month just to kind of check in and have a look at check out the venue for ourselves and um the guy running uh, the zombie shack there he was just like so sound his his pitch to us was like my job is to make sure you guys have the best night possible so when you hear that from the venue owner, you're like, oh, we've we've picked a good place here to host yeah, this, no, no hassle, you know, um, and really looking forward to it because, like you were just saying there, I had a big smile on my face there when you were saying about being stood behind the, the decks with with Richard and the him dropping that tune, and you're just thinking this is what it's all about because uh, this is what this is all about. Like um, we just want to get out and play and enjoy good music with good people that we know and love and want to share a dance floor with. Um, you know, there's, um, there's a lot to be said for looking up and just connect you know, that eye contact and big smile when a tune's dropping yeah. with one of your, with one of your bezies is you can't beat that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's the thing is, is that really, if you take, if you wheel this back to exactly where it started, you know, house music, house parties, the scene got unbelievably big and commercial. And certainly in more recent days, the kind of Tomorrowland and all this like over the top stuff. Yeah. It's just about a, 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 an amount of people dancing to good music that they enjoy and having an open mind to listen to whatever the DJ is going to play. I think that is just the very core of it all. And if you can influence that music that's played, if you can choose the people that are there, like you said, invite friends of friends, you've got a party. Richard and I were talking about this, you know, if you've got a venue that holds 100 people and you've got 50 people in there having a good time, that's a party. If you're not exactly. doing it because you're trying to make millions of pounds, you've got a party yeah. on your hands. It's fantastic opportunity just to showcase Arbor Recordings music, not just one or two, but many. I think me and Gareth will be playing and opportunity for us to tell everybody that, that you know there's new music coming out. And it's, it's a great kind of cycle of, uh, of interaction, if you like, with the radio show and the, um, everybody's kind of feeding into each other, where every avenue's feeding into each other. I'm quite proud that you know we're going to be playing a lot of our, our artists' tracks and, and exciting a lot of people, you know, and then telling them after that we play their track or, or we even telling them before we're going to be playing their track and 
Yeah, I mean, if, if anybody said that to me, Gareth or whoever, artist, I'm sure they'd be absolutely delighted, buzzing. You know, they'd try and get there themselves and yeah. Hear, yeah. hear their own track play because that's something I've never never witnessed. I've never been to a gig and heard my own track play. Um, so, you know, this is the kind of thing we want to do, you know, especially with uh, upcoming artists and, you know, give them that, that buzz. Uh, we've got an artist who we've just signed um, and it's his first ever track and he's, we love the track and he's from Manchester, so he'll be coming. Uh, and, you know, people like that and, uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a buzz for, for, for people and ourselves and, um, yeah, we can't wait. We're not far away now, so. Yeah, it's just about giving as well, isn't it? I think we just, you know, we want to, like, we seem to be focused on, like, like giving as much as we can of ourselves, I mean, um, and and for want of nothing back, like at the end of the day, um, it's enough just to stand, like Steve was saying, just to stand on a dance floor and see your friends dance to your music or see separate sets of friends you have meet each other and get on like a house on fire. There's nothing yeah. better than seeing that happen, you know, and to know that they're all here because of this idea you had back in June of maybe just putting a label together and then one thing led to another and. And, and here we are all stood in Manchester on an April night, you know, dancing, dancing under the railway arches, which it's, um, it's, it, it's just a nice feeling. And as I say, people that we sign, we can, it's nice to say to them, it's not just about putting your track out. If you're a DJ, we'll give you a slot on our radio show and put your music out there as a DJ, get, you know, get, get known in this part of the world. If you're not from the UK yeah. or, um, you know, come, come to an event and hit play at the event. You know, it's nice to be able to offer a bit more than just, uh, Oh, thanks. We'll just uh, we'll put that in the beatport charts and plaster it over social media, and then forget all about you. You know, it's yeah, not about that. Just like to be seen. You know, the door the doors open to anybody who wants to. You know, send, submit a track. In, in you know, there's no there's no barriers really. We just listen to it. There's no, as I say, said earlier, pre preconceived ideas about what you need to be as an artist. You know, if it's good enough, then it'll. You know. Then, we're, then that's it. You know, you don't need followers. You don't need any followers to have music released with us. You know, if they got soul and good energy, I'm sold. You know, that's it. Yeah, that's nice. Listen, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both tonight. Um, I think it's going to be very easy for the listeners to understand and um, see or hear the energy and the passion you've got for it, and you, you, you're very down to earth. I think you're coming from a genuine place. I think that's obvious. Um, and, it, and it's been really nice to talk to you both. And like I say, you know, unashamedly, I get I get something from everything I do. And tonight you've sort of reminded me of a lot of the reasons why I'm doing my little bit in this scene is, is like you are. I'm trying to talk to people that are busy working away, doing great things, but haven't necessarily had this longer opportunity to talk uh, freely about their about their passion and about the work they're doing so thanks very much um, i know you're both busy men it's been exciting to do a dual um situation steve and i both know you either do or don't gareth at times you were paused you had some amusing faces your camera had frozen yeah <laughs> at times you looked like you were like from the 1980s like a correspondent in the in, in the war just totally frozen like this <laughs> none of us knowing what's really happening behind there but yeah thanks thanks again for for joining me um and Thank um i'm sure everybody's going to take a lot away from from the podcast so uh don't be strangers either do let us know and certainly ping me either together or individually and let me know how your event goes and what's going on and 
Progressive House UK, believe it or not, is supposed to be a forum for you to be able to put things up about your gig. So send stuff through to us and, and get posting on there because it's been a bit dormant on social media. I know a lot of things have changed with how algorithms work and we used to be a lot more successful at reaching a lot more people um, on the platform. But um, there are still pe- a lot of people read the content. They just don't like or make comments anymore like they used to. Um, but please feel free to use it as a platform to to share your event and um, let people thank know you, what you're doing. Yeah, no, yeah thank you. It's been brilliant being on, Danny, and, and wish you all the best with this because you, you're doing a fantastic job and um, I've loved the conversations I've heard pre- previously and uh, looking forward to the ones to come. So uh, more power to you there, mate. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much, Danny. Brilliant. Thanks for, thanks for having us on. It's been a pleasure for me and Gareth and, and uh, yeah, great opportunity. Um, yeah, so, you know, good luck to you, you know, with everything going forward for yourself. Um, and uh, yeah, best luck with your event um, and, and, and everything else. So, yeah, thanks again. Will do. Cheers, guys. Thanks.